Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, a podcast from the Orange Students team. Our mission is to help you, the youth leader, influence the next generation. And we do that through this podcast, other resources, and our weekly curriculum, XP3. If you'd like to learn more, check out orangestudents.com. But for now, let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry. This week, I'm thrilled to be joined by Sarah Shelton. Hey. Kayla Lynn. Hello. And Marquise Cox. What's up, man? And this week, we are talking all about student anxiety, and we are thrilled to have especially Kayla Lynn with us, who is a counselor who's been with us before. Now, Kayla, you've been with us uh, on some fun episodes. So a couple years ago, we we had you on when we talked about uh, suicide. Yep. And we had you on when we talked about self-harm. Yep. Real talk. And now you're here to talk about student anxiety. So you primarily work with students who and teenagers who what? Who struggle um, primarily with anxiety and depression. With, what comes with that is self-harm, suicidal thoughts, um, low self-esteem, those kinds of things that just interfere with their quality of life. And uh, we've got Marquise here who leads a, a ministry here in the Atlanta area. Uh, we also have Sarah Shelton here who uh, works with us here at Orange and leads small groups and has led students through anxiety as well. So this is going to be uh, this is going to be a great conversation. Yes, so yeah. let's get into it. So stu- we're talking about student anxiety and what we can do about it as youth ministry leaders. But why are we talking about this and what are the stats saying? I did a little research as the host. And Kayla, you can you can correct me if I'm wrong here on some of these stats. But what I was finding is that about 25% of all teenagers uh, in the United States will deal with anxiety at some point before they graduate mm-hmm. high school. Uh, so that's if you've got a, a 40 student ministry, 10 of those students by the time they graduate from your ministry are going to have to have dealt with this at some point. Uh, Kayla, is, does that kind of align with some of the stats you've heard or what? how would you add to that or <laughs> disagree with that? So obviously, I mean, statistics, I'm a little bit jaded by just because um, mm. typically they're self-report. Um, so mm. we, get, we miss a lot of students who are experiencing anxiety, experiencing um, symptoms of that and just don't say anything. Mm. And either time passes or later on it gets worse and that's when they're later mm. diagnosed or get help. Um, so you're saying those stats could be higher? They could be higher, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I think we just miss it because we all like to put on a mask anyway. So. Yeah. Well, and I've also heard that student anxiety, it's its more frequent in females than males, two to one. Is that mm-hmm. what you've seen as well? Is that true? Or is that, again, go to the reporting thing? It goes back to the reporting thing. I do think that it could be somewhat true that females have a higher um, rate of anxiety than males. Um, it is also good to know that just this age is so important because of all lifetime cases of having a lifetime diagnosis of anxiety um, start at the age of 14. So really it's when real life begins Mm -hmm. is when the real symptoms come. Wow. All right. Well, and and before we really dive into this, uh, I think it also, we might need to just pause and define what it is, what anxiety is and how it's different from stress. So, uh, Kayla? <laughs> Our experts. Well, sure. Sure. Kayla, you just take it from here. Yeah. I just want to throw this out there, too, in the aspect of I've talked to a lot of counselors just preparing for this, mm. of the difference between stress and anxiety, yeah. um, and we all view it a little bit differently. So what I define, and I believe that most people would agree with and just 
trust me on the semantics here, is that stress is really about feeling overwhelmed when we have a lot going on. Um, and it, typically it's about specific things. Like I have this huge to-do list mm. and I feel like I'm not going to be able to get it done. And the way that I want... I've got to be on a podcast today. <laughs> yeah. I'm a little stressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. And uh, when anxiety comes in, I always equate anxiety and fear together typically. Mm-hmm. is I'm, fe- I'm scared of something's going to happen. I'm scared that somebody's going to view me a certain way. I'm scared that there's something in the future that's outside of my control that I'm not going to be able to help. Mm-hmm. And that's where I want to define the two differently um, is that typically we, we're going to talk about anxiety as fear and how it can be helpful because it helps us prepare for certain circumstances to come up, helps us think things through. But when it's not helpful anymore, that's when we're, um, there's an issue of their quality of life and you see a lot of symptoms come out. So you said anxiety can be helpful. So this is where semantics come into play, where stress and anxiety could be seen similarly, just because they both are trying to help you out. Mm -hmm. They both try to help you think things through, trying to prepare well. They have you feel the weight of certain things so that you know what's important and what's not. The Mm, problem with anxiety is when it's not helpful anymore, when it doesn't add the hour to your life anymore. And we have this feeling we've done everything we can, and then it's just there still. Um, so like you've done everything in your power to prepare for whatever a, a big test, you know, for talking about high school students or middle schoolers, or they've got a big game coming up and they've done everything they can. And still there's just like this overwhelming, overwhelming feeling, feeling yeah. and even after it or something exactly. like that. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And then sometimes there is relief even right after it, but this is kind of where we start seeing patterns is when we find the next thing almost immediately to mm-hmm. worry about. To start. Okay. Of like, mm-hmm. okay, I just completed this test. Now the next thing is I have to get this A on this grade mm-hmm. or uh, yeah. And the problem with anxiety is there's that pattern. And once it's done, once we complete that task that we think that is the main cause, the main source of our feelings. Yeah, that game's straight. over, that test is over. Mm-hmm. We find something else. Okay. It's that constant lie, in my opinion, that what is right now is not good enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. My counselor described it to me, not a counselor, but Ben for a long time, <laughs> um, that stress has a way of moving you forward, mm-hmm. but anxiety is circular. It never really takes you anywhere. Mm-hmm. And That's so good. there's nowhere to go with it, but mm-hmm. round and round and round. Mm-hmm. So all of us around the table here work with students weekly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I feel like when I was Googling this, um, the words like epidemic kept showing up, mm-hmm. like teen anxiety is at epidemic lev- levels or it's on the rise again or whatever. In your experience week to week working with students, have you seen this become a, a thing in your ministries or in your small groups that you're leading? Are you noticing it come up and right, bubble to the service more? Yeah, I feel like, I don't know, I can't put like a year on it, like in the last five or six years yeah. or anything, but it just feels like it is on the rise more and more. I hate to feel like the old guy, but I feel <laughs> like it is because of social media. Oh, for sure. Um, and we, I know we're going to talk more about that, but uh, with the rise of social media, with the rise of comparing yourself to other people, with the rise of seeing what other people have that you don't, and you're just scrolling on that for hours. I think the statistics say that we are on our phones. I don't even, I can't throw something out, but hours on the end, we yeah. are just on our phone. Totally. Uh, I know for a fact that it's always within three feet of us at all times, which mm. is crazy to think yeah. about. Yeah. So it's always within, within three feet of us at all times. And uh, with that being said, as students are scrolling, as students are seeing uh, the highlight reel of other people's lives, mm-hmm. I think that it has just 
uh, in, in recent years starting to come up more and more because they feel like there's this place of arrival mm-hmm. that they haven't gotten yet, mm-hmm. but others have mm-hmm. seemingly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they feel like they they haven't. So it's it, that's when they start to go in that that um that that anxiety bubble, that circular, yeah. just yeah. like no no help. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I've been leading a group of students. Um, they're about to be seniors, but I've been leading them since they've been in eighth grade. Mm. And I have never met a more um, stressed out group of girls. Yeah. And I think that that, Marquise, you're exactly right. Yeah. Like there's this future thinking thing that's happening more now where they're so focused on what is five steps ahead of them mm-hmm. and they're spinning their wheels trying to get there. Yes. It's constant pressure of like, you know, in eighth grade, they were like, well, I have to take this many AP classes mm-hmm. to get into college. I'm like, you're not even in high school yet. Yeah. And then <laughs> as seniors, it's this pressure of like, what scholarship am I going to get? Mm-hmm. And then even like, how do I know who I'm going to marry? And I'm like, <laughs> get a boyfriend, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know. So I just think there's this real sense of they can see five steps ahead of themselves yeah. differently. And there's this pressure to get there faster and better than mm. a lot or, or maybe just sooner than other people. So, and yeah. that might be stress. Yeah. I don't know. Well, the biggest thing, too, is, like, they see the five steps, but there's no way to control, right. like, yeah. right now how to get there, you know? Like, they can do what they can do today, and that's kind of where the stress is of, like, okay, I've done that's what good. I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But other than that, when that feeling is still there of, like, feeling out of control, that's where it becomes a major problem. Yeah. So let's talk about what's causing student anxiety because it sounds like we're kind of we're getting into that now. Yeah. Before we recorded this, uh, I was actually talking to a parent who works uh, here in our offices, mm. and we were talking about, oh, what are we ta- what are we podcasting about? Student anxiety, and uh, she talked about how uh, her teen is really wrestling with this, mm-hmm. and she's trying to figure out what it what it is that's causing so much anxiety. And she thinks, and Kayla, I'd love your thoughts if this is uh, accurate. It, it's the there are too many decisions all always in front of her. Mm-hmm. That is like when she, when her, uh, when her teen was, you know, a, a toddler or elementary student, it was like, do you want to wear the red shirt or the blue shirt? Do you want, you know, do you want uh, a burger or do you want chicken nuggets? Mm-hmm. And then now that they're in high school or, you know, even middle school, there are too many options in mm-hmm. front of them. Mm-hmm. There are, now it's not just, do you want to go to this school or this school? It's, mm-hmm. you've got a thousand schools to choose Mm -hmm. from. You have a thousand places you could go for X, Y, Z. You have a thousand different extracurriculars you could do. Mm -hmm. It's no longer baseball or or soccer. It's Mm -hmm. there are a thousand things in front of them all the time, which is a little different than a way a lot of us grew up. Mm -hmm. So it's almost anxiety because there are too many decisions to be made. I know that was a long story, (laughs) but is that one of does that is that really getting at the heart of what's causing student anxiety these days, or is there something else? So I want to take it a step further in that yes, it's about choices, but I think that's more of a trigger. Mm. And mm. the piece of that trigger is what does that fear come from? Is it that they're scared that if I make this decision to go to a specific school, what is that going to mean about them, and how are they going to be seen about that? And there's so many things that are outside their control that they don't know yet that they're trying to make a decision off of. They don't know what friends they're going to make there. They don't know what classes they're going to be able to get into. And having all of that weight triggers the anxiety because there's nothing to do with it. Mm. I think, too, mm. it's important to... Um, to note that sometimes there isn't a real particular reason you can pinpoint. I mm-hmm. think um, as a person, basically I've been training for this podcast my whole life because I've <laughs> basically <laughs> dealt with anxiety since I was 14. Um, and I, for me, I'm a super extroverted person, mm. you know, grew up in church, had no like quote unquote reason to feel mm-hmm. that way. And I just remember literally waking up one day and being really 
overwhelmed with worry about wow. the future mm-hmm. and about the present and about everything. Mm-hmm. And I remember trying to articulate it to a friend and she was just like, well, why? And I was like, I don't know why. And I think- Just calm down, right? Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. She's like, well, just don't worry about that. I'm like, well, I wish I could just not wow. worry about mm-hmm. that. But I think I think it's really hard and that's sometimes where parents or leaders or you know, even friends get hung up is that they want to- they want to find the root and the symptom. And sometimes I think there is one, mm-hmm. but sometimes there's not. And so mm-hmm. I think that that's where we get stuck sometimes with not knowing how to handle it is mm-hmm. because in some cases there's a real obvious reason for why a student is anxious. And sometimes they just are. And mm-hmm. we don't, we can't necessarily, we can't necessarily fix it ever, but especially yeah. when we don't know where it's coming from and we mm-hmm. never want to shame a kid or make a kid feel like something's wrong with them. Cause I felt like that a lot. Like right. I don't have a reason yeah. to feel this that's way. Mm-hmm. I think that's maybe the first huge takeaway as ministry leaders, as small group leaders, mm-hmm. it's you never want to be that uh, authority figure or adult in a kid's mm-hmm. life who says, just get over it or mm-hmm. just calm down yeah. mm-hmm. or, or diminish what they're going through or diminish the fact that they don't understand what yeah. they're going through and there isn't something mm-hmm. that they can pinpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you never want to just say, you know, high school is short, you'll get you'll get past it. Yeah. It's fine. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I think that is one huge piece right off the bat here is we really don't want to yeah, belittle our students yeah. right. for going That's through good. whatever they're going through. Yeah, and I don't think anybody ever deliberately belittles, just to be clear. Like, I don't think that's anyone's intention. Is I think everybody's well-meaning and wants to help. Yeah. But I think as leaders, especially with this, if a student comes to you and is vulnerable enough to say, mm. hey, I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. I, you know, for me, I call it mental gymnastics. Like, I, on the outside, I'm like, hey, everybody. And on the inside, <laughs> I'm doing mental gymnastics yeah, just yeah, to yeah, get yeah. in the door sometimes. Yeah, wow. And I think... If I am vulnerable enough to say that to somebody, especially as a 14, 15-year-old girl, yeah. you know, even if the response is well-meaning, uh, I think we have to be really careful with our words because we have a lot of power over mm-hmm. the next direction or the next step a student takes to cope and mm-hmm. get help. And I think a lot of times the response is to try to fix it. Mm-hmm. And really mm-hmm. what we need to remember is part of, quote, unquote, fixing it is just sitting with it mm-hmm. and That's being good. there for them. That doesn't feel like you're... As a, it, I, I could see though, as a as a small group leader or ministry oh, leader, totally. that doesn't feel like the best solution. It's like, all right, well, you're you feel, you're feeling anxious, okay? You know, <laughs> it just it feels like we it, the I think we're we feel compelled to like, okay, let's do something about it, totally. you know, and start running down a track with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're saying that might not always be the best answer initially. Definitely not initially. And the biggest thing is listening first because mm-hmm. the more, the closer you are to the problem, the more you'll understand how complex it is. Because typically if we feel like we can fix it with one sentence or one word, we're, we're not getting it. Mm. We're not getting the real issue. Because, I mean, we're all human. We, they don't want to feel that way. If that was the way to fix it, they probably would have already done it. Yeah. yeah. And I think too, as a, again, as a person who has dealt with this and particularly as a teenager, if someone gave me a list of things to do, that would just add to my anxiety. Mm-hmm. If somebody said, okay, like mm-hmm. you feel this way, so here's five things we can try right away without sitting in it with me mm-hmm. first. And then I did those five things and they didn't work. Mm-hmm. I would be that's like, the, okay, well, we have yeah, a problem yeah. now, yeah. you know? And then it's like, well, I'm just more anxious because mm-hmm. the, the tools didn't work for me. Wow. That's I'm going to jump in here and pretty much say too is we need to understand why they're not doing those things. Mm. Cause there's, you know, there might be the depression background. There might be, I've already tried mm. that. 
or there might be other things that are getting in the way of them trying to help themselves. Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Mainly to you, Caleb. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give uh, it a shot too, Mark. Right. Yeah. yeah. What do you what, mean? What would you say uh, is the difference between, because you brought up depression. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you say is the difference between anxiety and depression mm -hmm. in, you know, with students yeah. or yeah. with people in general? So I've kind of talked about this before. The way that I kind of relate you know, physical or medical like health with mental health. Um, cause I think obviously they coincide so easily. So say that you have a cold, mm -hmm. then you are way more vulnerable to get strep throat, to get pneumonia, mm -hmm. to get other, you know, diagnoses mm -hmm. or you know, sicknesses because we have a low immune system. So with anxiety is very similar, whether it's anxiety first or depression first, you have a low immune system. I so that's see. where they that coincide sense. together. And the way that I've seen anxiety turn into depression is because they have such a heightened energy for so long that's not sustainable that they fall apart and mm. that they just don't have energy anymore. And mm. it's almost like I don't care anymore, but they do. And so there's this additional weight that they can't lift. I uh, work with a student in my small group who has a lot of anxiety. Yeah. Um, and I think she deals with panic attacks about just about anything. And um, something as big as like an illness or as small as like a spelling test, it mm -hmm. really wow. sends her to a place. Wow. And I think she has recently started grappling with depression too. And for mm -hmm. her, I think a lot of it is isolation because she mm -hmm. feels like her friends don't understand her parents don't really know what they can do to help her. Mm -hmm. And there's a fear of talking about it because she mm -hmm. wants to be seen as the same. And mm -hmm. she wants to be, I think as most students really do, want to be seen like everybody else. Yeah. And so for her, she sort of started isolating. And mm -hmm. I think in that isolation um, with her anxiety, depression has sort of built mm -hmm. and added on. Yeah. So, so Kayla, I want to go back to, so what are the things that are causing the increase in student anxiety. I know that Marquise mm -hmm. has brought up social media mm -hmm. a few minutes ago. Uh, I was mentioning how maybe, you know, there's too many decisions to be making mm -hmm. and they're trying mm -hmm. to, you know, uh, that that's causing anxiety. Sarah brought up, well, it might be nothing that's yeah. causing anxiety. Biology of it. Yeah. yeah. So what, so I want to turn over any other rocks. So what else mm. is causing some of the, the anxiety at epidemic levels that we're hearing about these days? Yeah. I love how Sarah brought up genetics and biology of our bodies. And I mean, that could just be a huge piece of it. Wow. As time goes, people accomplish more. And because people accomplish more, we look around mm. and we feel like we've got to meet that more. Mm. And because we have that higher standard and that pressure that we feel like we have to meet that's constant. I feel like it is different in our culture now versus way back when. Yeah, we need to lower our standard. <laughs> there it is. Don't try as hard. <laughs> well, and you can well, see through, because of things like social media, you can right. see how much others are achieving. achieving. And then yeah. I'll, I'll always go back to like, if, if I'm not achieving or if I didn't get there, then what does that mean about me? And what mm. fear kind of comes up with that? Yeah. And I also see like, and, and I don't think it's just confined to students in this area, but I am in this area, but the, uh, the parents can also add mm -hmm. on to mm -hmm. the stress and the anxiety with the, um, standards and the expectations that they levy onto the mm -hmm. students as well. Uh, where it's a lot of conversations I've had with students is well, my mom says I have to do this. Yeah. yeah. My dad great. says I have to get here. He went to this school. I, I am not good enough to play football. I am not getting a scholarship. Mm -hmm. And all of these different things of uh, my parents are saying this, my parents want me to, which yeah. mm -hmm. again, to your point, Sarah, it's coming out of a great place. Yeah. It's well intended. We want the best for you. But when you don't spot that 
what you're doing is also like weighing someone down, yeah. I think it could do some damage. So that external factor of parents leaning in uh, can also weigh on them a lot. Yeah, yeah there, it does feel like there's a, a level of parent education here that's that's mm-hmm. important. Yeah. That it, it, that it, even just going back to defining the difference between anxiety and stress, Kayla, that mm-hmm. you, you brought up earlier that help almost equipping parents to identify the difference in their own kids like between, oh, they're just stressed out because of the test and, oh, there's something else going on here yeah. Yeah. Uh, that they can be sensitive to. Yeah. Yep. And they need to be aware of the difference between a phase and a pattern. Mm. Um, yeah, can and, you unpack that? So a phase is, okay, it totally makes sense that right before the SAT, your child is stressed out. Right. Is there the next thing that comes up that they are completely overwhelmed, unmanageable? And I think with Marquise was saying with parents is parents are on social media too. They're yeah. comparing exactly each other's right. kids. Exactly They're comparing right. yeah. where yep. everybody's going. And exactly I think right. that they sometimes need to do a better self-check in what they're modeling and what their kids are picking up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Once this whole internet fad is over, we're all going to feel a lot better. Over. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, so how are students? uh, How have you guys seen students coping with? Anxiety in and, good ways or bad ways. Yeah. <laughs> What's your uh, which which angle do you yeah, want to well, take? I'll, I'll, I'll share with or... like I've I lead a small group and they're middle schoolers and that's a whole other question, mm-hmm. Kayla. We yeah. got to get to the difference between that. But I have a few students who are anxious and they choose to cope in uh, ways like you know uh, pounding energy drinks and. <laughs> Playing tons of video games. Which is never recommended. If you are anxious, please do not increase your heart rate. But like basically their their mind gets rolling, gets rolling, gets rolling, and they've they're gonna diffuse it somehow. And it's usually for at least the guys that I've worked with, those are the two options. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Energy drinks and video games and Fortnite, 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 energy drink, energy drink, energy drink. The two I feel like show, okay, the energy drink is I need enough energy to fix my problem, to go farther, Mm. to accomplish more, and the other side is avoidance because oh, sometimes sure. when we fear we fight or flight right mm-hmm. you know everybody kind of knows about that so we're either gonna fight and try to take this down or we're gonna go try and hide and I mm. think that's what you were saying too Sarah is the isolation mm-hmm. is the hiding yeah I think my students and particularly um the student who really struggles with anxiety Netflix is her coping mm-hmm. mechanism nice. which yeah. sometimes it is mine too but <laughs> I think um she does a it's like she can't she feels like she doesn't have anybody to talk to. She doesn't know what to do with these feelings. And so she will watch Netflix sometimes all night long. Oh, yeah. Like she will mm-hmm. binge all night long. Yeah. YouTube is huge. YouTube is, and then they don't too. sleep. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then she didn't sleep. And sometimes I think, um, this sounds like an old lady thing to say, but YouTube scares me. Yeah. Cause I think sometimes <laughs> kids, especially when they're struggling with something like anxiety and depression, they, they can go down these rabbit holes of oh, people who have posted these videos and it's like, Oh, they feel the same way. And I, I don't know that that's bad. I don't know. But I think yeah. there is a tendency to open your brain up to a, things mm-hmm. that are only going to make it heavier and darker than better yeah. and lighter. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot of media coping that I've seen yes, in students. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's that whole avoidance aspect. Totally. Um, and then once you get to high school realm, which you know, I'm sure it takes place in middle school too, but high school realm is when... They know a buddy. They know someone who uh, has substance mm-hmm. that they want to partake in. And that's when we get the drugs and the alcohol. And it really does come out of a place of, man, I want to relieve this stress. Mm-hmm. I want to. Now, there is the, like, I just want to, like, have fun and right, like, yeah. right. party. But uh, there is a lot of the avoidance that takes place of, man, 
well, I just want to try it. I just want to do it this one time and see what happens. And it's that whole idea of escaping mm-hmm. my current reality mm-hmm. uh, just for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you start to chase that and mm-hmm. over and over again. And so uh, that's I think that's just an, it's a it's a subtle but clear way mm-hmm. to start going into uh, what we see a lot of students getting involved in, which is yeah. substance mm-hmm. and alcohol abuse as well. Yeah. yeah. I think, too, there's this desire to feel normal Mm -hmm. um, when you are struggling so much mentally. And for me in high school is when people sort of started to figure out that that's I was struggling because it became harder and harder to hide as Mm. pressure to get into college and all that kind of stuff was taking place. And for me, it was like, oh, man, I want to do anything that makes me seem normal to Mm. everybody else around me. So whether it's going to that party, even though I don't really want to go, I just want to feel normal or Mm -hmm. look normal to everybody else. Yeah. So Kayla, how else have you seen in your experience working with uh, students, uh, both in in the church world and in your counseling facility? So how how are, how are teens coping with anxiety? Well, I think Marquise hit it right. I would say even that kind of jumped in the difference between middle school and high school mm-hmm. is they get more accessibility to Absolutely. the yeah. substances. Um, and then, I mean, you're right to do your experiences of avoidance, whether mm-hmm. it's the Netflix or the video games, or I'm going to just going to go out and have fun with my friends, even though I don't feel normal mm-hmm. um, or I feel this stress. I know that being at home also, I feel that stress too. Other pieces are, that's where kind of self-harm can come in is because they want to feel something else besides this. And physical pain is so much easier than than the mental, uh, the mental or physical anxiety that they're experiencing. And the last thing I'll say is that it can really be seen through anger is that they let it all out. They, you know, scream, they're upset, they're, you know, completely overwhelmed. They try to get it out. And yes, that might work for that moment. But once again, the pattern comes back. But And, it's, and, and that's crazy because they also are going through these hormonal changes oh, yeah. with their mm-hmm. bodies. And so there's all this like irritability of like my body's changing, mm-hmm. hormones are raging and... On top of that, I have anxiety. So there's just so much going mm-hmm. on inside of them. And they don't know how to necessarily articulate that. And uh, that's when we see a lot of the coping things. So I think that's great when you mm-hmm. brought up the, the anger. Because yeah. it's just, it's just. I remember being in high school myself and I just was like, I would just yell at my parents for no reason. <laughs> and I mean... I got butt whoopings, but anyway, <laughs> that's another subject. We can, you can, I can sit on your couch just, later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, it's just, I remember just having all of these things going on inside me and not knowing how to handle them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that resulted in coping mechanisms as well. So. Yeah. But that's a great point, Marquise, yep. though, because, you know, you, in high school, you do have all, in middle school too, all these hormones going yes. on there. Some of it's just natural. Like there's going to be natural anger yeah. that's not tied to anxiety. And even going back, Marquise, to what, what you said a minute ago about how, well, sometimes they're just you know, diving into these substances or energy drinks or whatever because they want to have fun. It's their culture. Yeah. It's just their world. How do you pinpoint when it goes from just it's their culture to there's something deeper going on to they're just they're just having fun versus mm. there's something this actually is tied to something deeper like anxiety. That's good. Mm-hmm. And that could just be the start of like, how are you doing? You know, mm-hmm. um, and just kind of asking questions and seeing, okay, is this really an escape or are you really just doing this recreationally or for fun or because yeah. you want to go to this party? Yeah. Um, and a lot of it too is I'll ask a lot of my kids um, after they drank or after they got high, I'm like, okay, so was it helpful? 
How, mm. Like, how are you now? You know, and mm-hmm. then they're kind of, they'll be like, well, for a second or for a little bit, but sometimes there's a lower low that comes out of that because it's mm. gone yeah. and it hurts that it's still there. So sometimes I'll even dive in in that regard of, okay, what what happened after? You know, what did you do after? How were you doing after the, yeah. all of that? And I also think when you start to see things outside of their character, they start mm-hmm. to do things that are just completely not them. And you're just like, hey, where, what, what's going on? Like, yeah. what? What let's track back to what what has taken place. I know of a certain student that I've been walking alongside him and he just started to do things that was just not him. He started to talk to adults in a way that wasn't him. Uh, He started to just really check out. And there was a little there was things like that that I started to take notice of that I was wondering, wondering, man, what is going on at first thought was what's going on at home, Mm -hmm. what's going home at school, uh, what's taking place and come to find out it was just this deeper sense of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so they started to lash out in different ways and act out in different ways, just outside their character. So if there's somebody that like you, Sarah, is like super, super extrovert and then they're you're just like counter that and you're just now you're introvert you're in Mm -hmm. your room not talking to anybody i think that's a good telltale sign of like man i wonder let's see what's going on here it may not always be anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. but it's just like you know what this is outside of who sarah is yeah you know i think for me too as a student um you know, like I could put, like Kayla, I think you said this earlier, like we all wear a mask and yeah. I really kept the extrovert mask on and, you know, I was real like bubbly and all that kind of stuff. But I started showing physical symptoms, mm-hmm. um, like stress and anxiety really manifests itself in me physically. And so mm-hmm. I yep. lost a lot of weight. My hair was falling out. That's I wasn't good. sleeping as well. And yeah. I was just fortunate. My dad actually is a counselor um, wow. and works in, worked in genetic counseling at the time. And so he sort of was like, this is not, you know, so even though I could come to the t- dinner table or whatever, like, hey, everybody, yeah. they, he really had the background to see like, oh, there's something else going mm-hmm. on here. But I mm-hmm. think um, to Marquise's point, like as leaders, especially we're fortunate to like know our students and walk right, with our students. Right. And mm-hmm. so anytime we see changes in them, I think that there could be a sign big or small that something right. else is going on. Absolutely. Yep. So what, going back to, you know, what our responsibility is as leaders there, you know, we, we do have a responsibility to know our students and kind of pick up some of those changes in behavior. What other responsibilities do we have as, as leaders in our ministry or even as small group leaders? Uh, what role can we play to address the student anxiety issue that's going on in our culture and in our ministries? What do we need to say from stage? What do we need to say in small group? Is there something we should be saying? Well, I think a big place to start is that you're not alone and that we do need to talk about it and holding it in, you know, won't fix it. Um, And they might want to hold on to that for a little bit longer, but at some point we all want to just lay it down and be like, I can't do this by myself anymore. And that's kind of part of, you know, not kind of, it's the part of Christianity is that we aren't meant to do number one life alone, but we aren't perfect and we do need help and we do need a savior. We do need that forgiveness and peace and, you know, of how God responds to us and wants to take care of us and how that love can even, you know, help with our anxieties as well. I'm mm-hmm. not saying you should put a Bible verse whatsoever <laughs> once a kid just Please pours out no. their heart. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Yeah. But kind of seeing that, okay, that this is a human thing yeah. is that none of us are really good enough. And so it kind of makes sense that we feel that way or that we do have that fear. 
but sometimes we just don't run to the right solution. Yeah, and I think a huge responsibility for uh, youth ministry leaders is, one of the things I always say is, whatever you're struggling with, struggle with it here. Mm -hmm. This is not the place where you need to run from or uh, take a step back from. That's really Go through what you're going through here. You won't be looked at differently. You won't be judged. God has not changed his mind about you. Mm -hmm. Go through it here. So when they say like, well, I stopped coming because I started having sex with my girlfriend. Hey, I'm not saying have sex with your girlfriend here at church. (laughs) What I'm saying is if that's something you're involved in, that doesn't mean stop showing up to our our youth group. It doesn't disqualify you. It doesn't disqualify you. Whatever you're dealing with that you feel shame from, man, I want you to be able to feel like you're you're able to do, not do that here. uh, You're good? (laughs) Not do that here. Don't do that here. I want you you to feel comfortable uh, whatever is going on in your life and bringing that to yeah. the, the youth group. Mm-hmm. Another piece is, I think that it is a, it's almost a mandate to let people know who struggle with anxiety that you are not less than because you struggle with mm-hmm. anxiety. Yeah. That's good. Um, it may, as hard as this may sound, it may never leave. That's right. It may continue to be with you and you are not less of a Christian because of that. Yeah. So even though you've prayed and you've cried and you've cried out to God about taking the anxiety away, if it is still there, that does not mean that God does not love you and he's not still there for you or he's not still there for you. But I think it's anxiety is a place where, and and this is, this isn't something I, you know, continually struggle with, but I always tell people, this is an opportunity to cling closer to the cross. Mm -hmm. And it's not a reason to say, uh, you know what? I read that Bible verse. Don't be anxious. I read this. The pastor said I can pray and it will be done for me, but it's not taking place in my life. So, Really what I want to say is if you're, if you're first someone that uh, gets up from stage or you you are over curriculum, one of the things you have to uh, make sure you are saying is that if this does not leave you, you are still God's you know, son, yeah. daughter, all of those things are still true about you, even yeah. though you feel like your situation hasn't changed. That's totally. so good. Nothing's wrong with you. Nothing's wrong yeah. with you. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. I think um, something I tell my students all the time is basically that God gives us tools to handle so many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there are seasons of your life where maybe you just need one or two of those tools mm-hmm. to get by. And there are seasons of your life where you need every tool in your That's tool good. belt. Yep. Mm-hmm. And either way, it's okay. Yep. You know, so sometimes you're going to be anxious or struggle and all you need to do is go for a walk or pray mm-hmm. or memorize that scripture. Yeah. And those things really do work. Like right. We don't want to minimize that that, that right. is That's truth right. and that helps. But Sometimes you need more than that. Yeah. Sometimes you need that plus a counselor, yes. plus maybe medication, plus yes, you know so exercise, all yeah. these things. And it doesn't mean you always need all those things, yeah. mm-hmm. but I think basically normalizing that it's okay to need more than just a prayer. And sometimes. it doesn't mean that you don't trust God less. Exactly. No. Yeah, you definitely. still trust God and go to counseling. Mm-hmm. You still trust God mm-hmm. and take medication. Yeah. You still trust God and struggle, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think that you. if I'm struggling, I'm not trusting God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is ridiculous. false and yeah. that is a myth. So yeah. you can trust God and still have these things that you mm-hmm. do to uh, use these tools to yeah. make you better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And these are messages we can just, I mean, I would rewind the past couple minutes and there's your message <laughs> yeah. from right there, Marquise yeah. and, and, and yeah. Sarah here. Like that's what you need to communicate from stage. And I do think it is important to communicate this from stage yes. mm-hmm. because that opens the door to communicate these same things and re- reiterate Absolutely. them mm-hmm. in small group. Yeah. But I really do think it is when you address something like this from the stage, it gives the students permission and your small group leaders permission to bring these things up and bring these things 
to the surface without making it weird. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, totally. So, yeah. I, so I think that's huge. And we actually, um, we actually did that here at Orange, mm-hmm. a little shameless plug that Sarah and uh, Kayla mm-hmm. were able to speak into. We put together a standalone message about anxiety. And that's the bottom cool. line isn't, you know, memorize this verse and it'll <laughs> get better. The Just bottom line more. is there are tools to take mm-hmm. on anxiety. And, yeah. and it is things like scripture and going for a walk or medication or a counselor or your small mm-hmm. group, you know, all those kinds of things. And so if you are interested in that, we'll link to that in the show notes. That's not just, you know, we're not just trying to sell something here, but that is available. Yeah. But I I just think we have to be comfortable as ministry leaders to talk about this and educate ourselves to talk about this Mm -hmm. from the stage, just because we're not experts in student anxiety doesn't mean Mm -hmm. we get a pass on talking about these from the stage. So true. So true. So, so as we start to wrap up, what, what is the goal of, you know, what does the win look like when we're working with a student mm-hmm. struggling with anxiety? Because when we were working on, uh, honestly, our uh, a message about this here at, mm-hmm. at Orange, Kayla brought up like the goal is not no anxiety, right? Like, no. and if you, if you set <laughs> that, like, if you set that as the bar, you could actually end up causing going yeah. back to the yeah. whole five step thing. Like, we're going to cause work. more anxiety yeah. by yeah. trying to get rid of it all completely. Mm-hmm. So, what is the goal if we're walking with a student who's struggling with anxiety? Well, I think Marquise and Sarah both said this. The first thing is opening up and knowing that they're welcome and knowing that that's part of the conversation. I think that number one is a win um, because the honest pieces of themselves are the ones that we want most. Um, And I don't want them to come in and act like they have it all together. That's the farthest thing that Mm -hmm. any of us want. Even I, I lead a small group as well. And that fake face is the thing that I want to tear down most. Um, And I think that's the thing that they feel like they have to hold up most. Mm -hmm. So them opening up, number one, is a win. And I mean, long-term as a counselor for me is my goal is that even when you experience anxiety, even when you hear those lies, even when you're not sure where it's coming from, is to know the lie it tells Mm -hmm. and being able to be like, okay, yes, just because I feel this way does not mean I have to respond in the way that it's telling me to or believe what my thoughts are saying right now. And it's kind of learning, okay, how can I respond in a way that's mm-hmm. helpful and not hurtful? So the, what do I need versus why I might want weed. I might want to self-harm. I yeah. might want to go isolate myself, but what do I need to do? I probably need to go reach out. I probably need to exercise. I probably uh, need to share this with somebody. Those are kinds of the things that I see as a win is responding in a healthier mm-hmm. way. That's more helpful to mm-hmm. them that will provide hope um, but isn't going to be the quick fix. Oh, they don't have anxiety anymore. That's good. Yeah, it's really good. I think I feel like wow. for me as a leader, a win is number one, that they keep showing up and yeah. keep yeah. opening up. Cause I think sometimes there'll be a crisis or something that makes them open up and, mm-hmm. and then they're like, Oh, never mind, never mind. I mm-hmm. wish I didn't say that. And I think as a leader, it's in that in-between moment where you really have to show them and go after them, show them you value them, show them they can trust you and that you take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think for me, a win is just one step at a time. Like mm-hmm. if I can see you do one step to use it, one healthy tool to deal mm-hmm. with your anxiety, then that's a win for me. It's not going to be, I don't need you to do all 15 steps because no. yeah. then again, we're overwhelmed. But I yeah. think if I can see you and help you do one thing, yep. mm-hmm. then, okay, we did that one thing. So now let's do the next thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's step-by-step wins. Totally. Yep. And I just, 
I just so want to create a place where, and I, I think that's what the church should be. I just want to create a place, and that my win personally with our, our youth ministry, is create a place where people come in and they are okay with just being real. Yeah. And when they get to group or when they're talking to uh, their small group leader, they're saying, hey, this past week was horrible. As a result, I did X, Y, and Z. And no one is there with shame. No one is there with judgment. Mm -hmm. They're like, thank you so much for opening up. Mm -hmm. How can I be here for you? Is there another step? Is there a, a counselor I can point you to? Whatever the the next tool yeah. is. So when I'm thinking about creating a place, I just want to create a place that is just so safe for mm -hmm. any student that's out there uh, to come and feel like, man, I can struggle here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can struggle here and be fine. And although this isn't the place where I always want to be and we, they want to help me move forward and get better, but I can come just as I am and be okay mm -hmm. um, and be accepted for who I am. So that's, that's the type of place that I think I want to create. And I think that's the win for a lot of youth ministries and, and small groups. Small groups yeah. really are the place where they need to uh, be able to go deeper and, and have those real conversations. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I would also add to that and build on that. Like the win I, I do think is for students to be real, like Mar yeah. Marquise is saying, and open up. The win isn't for you as the ministry leader or small group yes. leader to fix it for them. Mm -hmm. no. And the, the win is to be their ally. Yes. Yeah. And so sometimes that means, yes, they were opened up and they, they were real in your ministry. That also means, okay, now we need to go to another step yeah. of getting someone who's not me involved, yeah. whether it's, you know, a counselor or a therapist of some sort, or, you know, you know, you know, getting a doctor's advice on medication, yes. something like that. Um, and before we wrap up, I do think that is an important side of things, mm. things to acknowledge that we are not always going to be able to fix these things in the church. The, there's a tension, though, sometimes, Kayla, when we talk about counselors and medications that there's cost involved with some of mm. that. Do you have any, if you are sitting across from a parent who's saying, hey, my kid's really struggling with anxiety, I can't afford counseling, what, how would you resource those families and those, those people? Um, yeah, so it gets tough. Um, I mean, counseling can be expensive. Even yeah. when you use insurance, insurance will limit how many sessions you can have, or they might not think that you have a hard enough, you know, they might not think that you have a hard, like a worse enough diagnosis mm -hmm. to continue counseling. I've been through all the insurance stuff. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a mess. So it is sometimes really difficult, even when you feel like you have resources to feel like you're running out. Um, so for people who can't access counseling, there's a lot of local support groups for anybody in the U.S. There's a National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they will have so many resources per state, per, per your area that might be really helpful as a parent, as a student in order to get connected so that number one, they once again don't feel alone, but they're mm -hmm. also getting helpful resources to, to cope and move forward and take that next step. Um, and specifically in Georgia, there's a grant that funds the Georgia Crisis and Access Line. Um, mm -hmm. And there might be some in other states too that have the specific grant. But what it is, is it's a resource center. So you can call and they will give you resources, whether you have insurance or not, to be mm -hmm. able to have counselors or um, places to go even when you're financially limited. Um, it's all, the, the resource center is all free. Um, and even it's a crisis line as well. So wow. if somebody is in crisis, a counselor in their local area will come to them within 45 minutes of their dispatch. Oh, wow. So pretty much once they deem that they need somebody there, 
they will be there within 45 minutes. That's one of their requirements. Wow. Mm. Um, so it's really, really cool that if something's going on to get started with, you're not stuck, you have options. And that's the Georgia what? It's called the Georgia Crisis and Access Line. So we'll link to that. And if you're in another state or another country, you might have a similar kind of right. resource mm-hmm. available yeah. to you that you might just have to Google and do a little digging. Yeah, and yeah. reach out to you know your the local churches, mm-hmm. school counselors, maybe their specific school counselor or the director of their school counseling center um, and they might also have resources too of who yeah. they've worked with before. Yeah, and I just think that on that note, it is good and wise to know that your church is not a catch-all for every mm-hmm. yeah, single thing that goes through the doors so or good. every single uh, situation that walks through those doors. So if, if it's this, if it's another issue, uh, just be mindful and do research where you can partner with. You don't yeah. always have to pioneer as a church. Yeah. You can always That's partner great. with other people. So yeah. um, trying to be the catch-all has not worked mm-hmm. historically in the past. No. So no. that's a great point. And even counselors don't see themselves as a catch-all. Mm-hmm. I might mm-hmm. get a client one, one hour once a week and that's not enough for anybody no. you know I can't be their community I can't be mm. by their side I don't get to go to their like eighth grade get ready to go to wow, you know their their dresses and yeah. like you know mm-hmm. take pictures with them and that's kind of something that's why I honestly became a small group leader because I wanted to be a part of their life more than just in the office mm. yeah that I don't get wow. to provide that as a counselor so every part at this table and even parents and family and mentors, those are all huge pieces that every student needs. Yeah. It takes a village. (laughs) And uh, speaking of resources, uh, we have one for you. If you, if you're listening, we actually have, you know, just to add to your list of resources, a free uh, parent conversation guide all about student anxiety. We'll have a link to that uh, in our show notes at rethinkingym.org, but that's just yet another tool that you could equip parents with. Uh, so that they can talk to their teen, middle school or high school, um, about anxiety and how to identify it and all of those kinds of things. So it really is, to your point, Kayla, it's, it takes a village of people and mm-hmm. resources right. to, to help uh, the next generation, help our students uh, deal with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you all for joining us for yeah. this conversation. Thanks for sharing your Absolutely. thoughts, your expertise. Yeah. Kayla, thanks for sharing your counselor insight. You're very wise. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for joining us for the Rethinking Youth Ministry podcast. We hope it's been helpful and we will include all the links to the resources mentioned here at our website, rethinkingym.org. And if you want to be part of the conversation this week as we talk about what it looks like to effectively lead our students uh, through anxiety, we'll be talking about that this week in our Facebook group. Just search for Orange Students on Facebook or uh, click the link in our show notes. We'll take you there too. Until next time, thanks for listening.